Hey, it's great to have you all. Really glad you're here this morning and everybody who's watching online. We're actually beginning a brand new series today called The Art of Neighboring. And uh, there's just, there's so many ways that we are living this out as a church. And, you know, one of them is later this afternoon, uh, one of our neighbors here at Hope was, uh, their, their home was damaged by the recent hurricanes. And so uh, we're going out, we're going to take down some trees. We've got a family in the community who lost uh, uh, a 23-year-old son, I think, in, a, in an auto accident, the Hirsch family. And so we're going to be um, serving them this week. There's going to be a, a funeral here. So um, today we're talking about art of neighboring, but here at Hope, it's a big passion of ours. So um, would you guys just join me in, be, in praying you know, for some of these, these opportunities that we have to love our neighbors? But I do want to begin with a little bit of a story. So uh, 2009... Dave Runyon was a pastor in Northwest Metro Denver, Colorado. Go Broncos. I'm a, I'm a Colorado boy at heart, and uh, I know you guys are all rooting for the Eagles today. Fortunately, the, the Broncos are playing the Giants, so I think we can all root for the Broncos today, hopefully. <laughs> uh, but anyways, Dave Runyon, 2009, he was a pastor. He began to gather some other pastors in his community and they just began asking a simple question, and that is, how can we best serve our community? And as soon as they asked the question, they had a horrible realization, and that was none of the pastors really knew exactly what would be the smartest way to serve their community. So they called their mayor, and uh, they got a meeting with the mayor, and about 20 pastors gathered with the mayor. And they began asking their questions, things like, um, what's your dream for our city? If you had a magic wand, you know, and could change anything about our community, what would you change? And of course, the mayor, he was ready for these kinds of questions, and he pulled a list out of his pocket, and he just began to read down his list. You know, I want to live in a community where there are no at-risk kids. I want to live in a community where, um, where elderly shut-ins are taken care of. I want to live in a community where um, where there are no single moms below the poverty line. And he just went down through that list. All the things you would expect, food insecurity, homelessness, all of that, and the pastors are furiously taking their notes. And then the mayor puts away his, his list, and, and then he just gets really honest with these 20 pastors. And, and he says, you know, if, if I could just be honest, he said, um, if you really wanted to do the best thing, to make the biggest impact in this community, the mayor says, maybe you would do something like, like start a neighboring movement. You know, like help people actually love their neighbors. And, and, he, and he said, maybe, maybe this could help, help solve some of the problems that our government programs just can't fix. And he said, imagine if, if that elderly shut-in was actually being cared for by her, her actual neighbors. Like imagine what could happen or if that... If that single-parent family and those kids had, had actual neighbors to support them and mentor those kids, he, he just said great things could happen. And then he said something that blew the pastor's minds. He said, he said if, if people would actually just be good neighbors, most of the problems in our community would be solved. And, and man, if you could have seen the pastors, they, they put their pencils down and they just looked at each other dumbfounded. 
Because I, I don't think the mayor realized this or, or realized what he was doing. But, but what he was doing in that moment is he was actually telling a group of pastors that the single best thing they could do for their community was to actually get the people in their churches to obey Jesus, the second half of Jesus' great commandment, to do what Jesus said mattered most, and that is to love God with all their heart and to love their neighbors as themselves. As they looked at each other, they're like, did he just say, like, we, if we could get our churches to love their neighbors, we could make a difference in the community? I, I got to tell you, for that group of pastors, uh, this was not their proudest moment. In fact, it was an incredibly convicting moment for them. And out of this meeting with, with the mayor, about 21 churches came together, united in Denver, Colorado, to begin a neighboring movement. And out of that movement came a lot of amazing God stories and a lot of just ideas about what it means to be a good neighbor. And those insights were put in a book called The Art of Neighboring. And of course, this is where we get the inspiration for our series, The Art of Neighboring. And, and this really is an amazing book. It's an amazing resource. My wife Angie and I have read it. I've had a chance to, to personally connect with Dave Runyon. He's, he's an amazing guy. He's got a great message. And of all the key resources, I would say, that have helped me to follow Jesus and to make a difference in people's lives, I would have to say it would be uh, number one, Tangible Kingdom by, by Hugh Halter, which we did as a whole church, the Tangible Kingdom Primer, back in 2019. And then, of course, 2020 was the pandemic. And what's amazing to me standing before you today is how this desire, this passion for loving our neighbors has continued throughout the pandemic, even today. But we thought here, you know, as we're beginning this new season, let's, let's continue to talk about our passion to love our neighbors. And, um, and one of the key resources for that is going to be this book, Art of Neighboring, by Jim, or sorry, Jay Pathak and Dave Runyon. So I want to encourage everybody to get this book, read this book. Um, this is a book that's really going to help us as a church to live out one of the things we're most passionate about, and that's simply loving our neighbors. But it all starts today with a, with a simple question, and it's just the question, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And to help answer that question, we're going to look at one of my favorite stories that Jesus ever told. It's a story that's familiar to many of us, even people without a church background, and it's Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan. So if you have your Bible, would you open it up to Luke chapter 10? We're going to be in Luke 10 today, looking at the parable of the Good Samaritan. And in Luke 10, I love this, because Jesus is going to take away all of our excuses for not making a difference, and he's going to do it with a single question. And it's a question not just for Christians, not just for religious people, but it is a question, as the mayor said, for every one of us in the room today. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter your religious beliefs or what you've experienced in life. This is the single question. Who is my neighbor that can, can be your on-ramp for making a difference in the world? That's the power of this question today. Who is my neighbor? And so I want to open our time here with a word of prayer and we'll begin to dive into this, this very famous passage of Scripture, the parable of the Good Samaritan. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for each person here, for those who are watching online.
God, we want to ask that you would come and that you would change our hearts, Lord. Move powerfully in our lives through your word. Your word is living and active. And I pray that it would do a transformation in our hearts that would, that would stir us, God, to love people in our life in the way that you have loved us. So, God, teach us today through your word. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're looking at this parable this morning. Should have Luke 10 opened up. We're just going to walk through it. And our question is, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And the first thing that we see in our passage today is that our neighbor is someone we're to love. And my neighbor is someone I am to love. And we get this in the context leading up to Jesus' parable of the Good Samaritan. I want to pick it up in Luke 10, 25. This is what it says. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Isn't that a great question? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Guys, life is short. We only get one shot at this. There's an eternity ahead of us. And maybe the most important question that any of us could ask today is this question. What, Jesus, must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, what's interesting about our story is, is that this man has come to Jesus not to ask this question genuinely, right? This expert in the law has come to Jesus to test Jesus. And uh, Jesus does that thing that only Jesus does. He does his little ninja move. And he turns the question back to the expert in the law. And he says, what's written in the law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? It's verse 26. He says, you're the expert, right? You're the expert in your Bible, so you tell me. What does a person need to do to inherit eternal life? And the man answers, and he, he quotes uh, Deuteronomy 6.5, which is the, the Shema, that creed of Judaism, which every uh, Jewish boy and every Jewish girl would have learned. Mothers would have recited this as they tucked their kids in at night. He answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And then he adds Leviticus 19.18, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus, in hearing this man's answer, realizes he is right on target. And so Jesus says, you've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Do this, Jesus says, and you will live. In other words, the Old Testament held out the promise of eternal life for anyone who would Love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love their neighbors as themselves. Can we do this? Is anyone able to perfectly love God and neighbor? Absolutely not. So this promise in the Old Testament, do this and live, the man who does these things will live by them, it says, this promise that the Old Testament held out for us, rather than providing eternal life, is actually now a source of condemnation because we have all failed to love God perfectly and to love our neighbor. It's actually, the Old Testament law is actually driving us to seek a salvation outside of ourselves, a salvation that's only found in Jesus Christ. Everyone who trusts in Jesus alone has eternal life. We cannot earn our way to heaven. On another occasion, there is another expert in the law. 
We got all these Bible experts who are trying to trick Jesus up. And uh, on another occasion, another expert in the law asked Jesus a similar question. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus is saying everything in the Old Testament, everything, Everything that God desires for us can be boiled down to these two realities. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. These two things are so important for us as as believers in Jesus, as men and women. We've actually put those up on the wall for us on this banner. You see, love God, love our neighbors. And then the third one there comes from John 13, 34. Remember Jesus said, a new command I give to you, love one another. So Jesus very specifically is calling us as Christians to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. But everything Jesus desires for our life, what he modeled for us is summarized in those three words, up, in, and out. Love God Love your neighbors. Love one another, church family. And right at the center of that, that's not just Hope Community Church, but that is a life transformed by Jesus. And so I don't know where you're at on those three areas, but before we get too far, guys, I want you to hear me. This life that Jesus is inviting us into today, this is not a manufactured, try-hard earn some gold stars, be a good person kind of life. No, this, Jesus is inviting us into a life that is actually a response to God's love for us. See, we love others because God first loved us. And he proved that love for us by sending his son Jesus to go all the way to a cross for us to pay the price for our sins. He was buried and he rose from the dead for our salvation so that we can have forgiveness, eternal life, a brand new relationship with God. See, God is inviting us into a life that is a response to something that we could never earn or deserve on our own. It's all based on the truth. He loved me. And so therefore, I love him and I love others. And when we do that, just like Jesus, we live a life that's up, in, and out. Love God, love one another, love my neighbors. But notice the answer to the question, who is my neighbor? Jesus is very clear, our neighbor is someone we are to love. What else? Can we be more specific? This is where our story goes next. Verse 29 But the man, this expert, wanted to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus, so uh, who is my neighbor, (laughs) Jesus? You guys hear it? He's looking for that loophole. He's trying to justify himself. Isn't it amazing how our hearts start to do gymnastics tricks around what God wants us to do? And so he asked Jesus, okay, Jesus, come on, who really is my neighbor? 
And I love Jesus because he just looks at the guy and uh, he does something brilliant. He's like, he's like, all right, okay, you want to play that game? Let's play that game. And he tells a story about a good Samaritan. And uh, it's just one of the most powerful and, and profound stories. But, but you have to realize that back in this day, back in Jesus' day, the Jews, and especially the Pharisees, had a very narrow definition of neighbor. A Jew's neighbor was a Jew's people. God wants me to love my Jewish neighbors. But, uh, those, those Samaritans, those neighbors, well, those are those people. And we don't talk to those people. We don't interact with those people. I don't know if you remember the story. Jesus was with his disciples. They were in a Samaritan town. And, and the disciples were like, hey, Jesus, you want us to call down fire on these people? And she's like, no, no, absolutely not. In fact, the Jewish rabbis would teach that it would be better to be born a dog than a Samaritan. So uh, how about Jesus making the Samaritan the hero of the story, right? Like, that's Jesus. And so, verse, you know, check out this parable, verse 30. I love this. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, these would have been Jewish Jewish men of God, the priest, the Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he too passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, it's a two days wages, and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And then Jesus says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor who fell into the hands of the robbers? And I just want you to see what this Jewish man says. Do you notice he can't even say the word, the Samaritan? Do you guys see that? He says, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus says, what? Go and do likewise. So we're going to go deeper into this parable next week. <clears throat> There's a lot we can talk about here. But for today, I just want you to see how Jesus answers that question, who is my neighbor? See, a neighbor is anyone we meet who's in need. And it doesn't matter who that person is. It doesn't matter their race. It doesn't matter their religion. It doesn't matter if they're politically on the left or politically on the right. Our neighbors are the people that God has placed into our life. People that he is calling us to love with absolutely no loopholes. And uh, what I love about this Art of Neighboring book is, is the, the Art of Neighboring guys begin to ask this, this powerful question that, that I have wrestled with over the years. And it's this question. When Jesus said, love your neighbors, what if he meant our actual neighbors? Like, like of course, neighboring goes beyond our actual neighbors. Right? We, can, we can do neighboring all around the world at the rescue mission. Of course, neighboring goes beyond our actual neighbors. But what if 
no loopholes now. What if when Jesus said, love your neighbors, he meant our actual neighbors? Like the people that live in the house right next door. We have neighbors at home. We have neighbors at work. Our neighbors at work, are, are, they're our coworkers. They're the people on our team. Students, you have neighbors at school. They're your other classmates. Those of you who are involved in sports, neighbors are the other players on the team. Maybe they're families. God has is, is placed people all around us. And what if those are the very neighbors that Jesus is asking us to love? Notice that the Samaritan in our story was not loving his far and away neighbors, but he was loving the very person that God had put on his path with absolutely no loopholes or no strings attached. Jesus is showing us how to love our neighbors as ourselves. And for Jesus, I believe this is the big commandment, that if we would do this, we could begin to change the world. And so here it is. Who, who are our neighbors? Who's my neighbor? Number one, it's someone I'm to love. And, and here it is. Our neighbors actually include our actual neighbors. And for the Vincent family, you know, this, this would be our neighbors. Uh, we have a, a new family that just moved in next door. And, and for us, this looks like connecting with them, you know, exchanging information, inviting them over to a meal. Um, for, for me, for our family, it looks like the neighbor across the street who one day I'm blowing my, my leaves in the fall into the, the curb and, and the neighbor across the street comes over and starts cussing me out. Hey, what do you think you're doing? You know, you want to get beat up? And I was like, I don't want to get beat up. And he's like, where do you think all these leaves are going to go? They're going to go right into my yard. And who's going to help clean them up? And I said, well, I'll help you clean it up. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's like a few days later comes out to blow the leaves off his lawn and I grab my leaf blower and I start blowing them and he comes over he's like what are you doing I said I'm just helping you out he's like did you hear what I said to you I was like yeah I heard what you said to me but did you hear what I said to you if you need anything I will be here for you see Jesus said to love our neighbors as ourselves, and it is such a powerful thing when we begin to see our actual neighbors, as some of the neighbors that Jesus is calling us to love with absolutely no loopholes. So who is my neighbor? Someone I'm to love, my actual neighbors. Last one. It's the wrong question. <laughs> I mean, I sat here for 20 minutes listening to you. So, yeah. Okay, I don't know if you guys caught this. Jesus is amazing. He actually flips the script. The hero in the story is not the expert asking, who is my neighbor? The hero of the story is the person being the neighbor. Jesus said, go and do likewise. The question for Jesus isn't, who is my neighbor? The question for Jesus is, who will be a neighbor? And God's put people around us, and the question is, will we be the Jesus type of neighbor who loves others in the same way that the Samaritan loved his neighbors? And so, how are we doing at that? How are we doing at loving our neighbors? thought maybe this morning we'd do a little pop quiz. You guys ready for a little pop quiz? Everybody has a, a, a sheet of paper on their chairs and a pencil. Go ahead and pull that out. Uh, got the graphic up on the screen. For those of you who are watching online or just listening, um, you can just draw a tic-tac-toe board. Very simple. doesn't have to be anything fancy. 
Um, we will send out this graphic this week through our What's Happening at Hope email. So uh, be sure you fill out one of those Connect cards that, you're, um, that we have your email address so you can hear about some things that are going on here at Hope. Um, but but this, this chart comes from the Art of Neighboring, and we just call it the Art of Neighboring block map. Uh, also affectionately call it the chart of shame. And we'll see why here in a little bit. So um, if, you've, if you've got your, your map in front of you, your neighborhood map, right in the center with your pencil, go ahead and put your name. The center square, that's you. And you can put your name and your address. And now I want you to imagine that you walk out the front door of your house. That could be a single family home. That could be an apartment. You could live out in the country somewhere. Maybe you're at your college campus. Imagine walking out your door. Now I want you to imagine your eight closest neighbors. Yeah, can you guys all picture that? Okay, so here's what we want to do. Think about who your eight closest neighbors are and go ahead and write their names in the eight boxes around your name. I'll give you just a minute to do that. Who are your eight closest neighbors? Go ahead and write their names in those boxes. I know what you're thinking. Weird cat lady. Grumpy guy. We're looking for actual names here, okay? <laughs> actual names. If you don't know their names, that's okay. Just leave it blank. So keep, keep writing those names. We'll just give you a minute here. Keep writing. Keep going. Eight closest neighbors. Job. I'll give you just a few more minutes. All right, so you guys can continue to work on this. This is something for you to take home and to continue to fill in. But just show of hands, how many of you filled in five or more boxes? Five or more boxes. Oh, that's amazing. Good job. How many of you all ate? Wow, that's, that's amazing. Good job. That's pretty incredible. But here, here's why this matters. The art of neighboring, guys, they'll, they'll say, uh, we're not philosophers. We're kind of just regular guys. We don't write love songs. We don't write poetry and put it in Valentine's Day cards. We are no experts in love. But he'll say, we, we know one thing. We know that if you want to love someone, it really helps to know their name. And so maybe in light of the fact that Jesus wants us to love our neighbor, and in light of the fact that 
Maybe we don't even know all of their names. Could we just start here? Could we just commit together, all of us, to getting to know the names of our neighbors? To, like Tangible Kingdom says, first action step is to cross the street, to reach over across the fence, to get to know the people that God has placed in our life and to begin to remember their names, to use their names, to hear their story. Guys, this is the art of neighboring. This is what it means to be a good neighbor. Many of you guys know um, Angie and I have a huge passion for our neighbors and uh, so much so that when our neighbors next to us moved away to Florida, um, we had them over for dinner and they bequeathed to us a map of our neighborhood from 1958. So I'm not going to unroll this, but this was like a treasure for us because they understood our heart. And if I were to roll this out for you today, my neighborhood does not look like a tic-tac-toe board. It is a long street with 26 houses. And, and maybe your neighborhood looks like that. Maybe it's not exactly a tic-tac-toe board. But Angie and I have a vision of meeting our neighbors, maybe even all 26 of our neighbors, hearing, getting to know their names, hearing their stories. And, and I'm telling you that as we've done this, it has changed our lives. It's changing our street. God, people are connecting to one another and even to God in ways that we've never imagined. And, and if Angie was here this morning, we could tell you guys we have served our neighbors, but it's our lives that have been enriched. And I just want to tell you today that, that our address is not an accident. God has actually placed you for a purpose. You are today right where God is working. And if God can work in, in my neighborhood, he can work in your workplace. He can work in your school. He can, he can work um, on your sports team. See, it wasn't always that Angie and I had a heart for our neighborhood. If you go back before Art of Neighboring, before Tangible Kingdom, years ago, I was a pastor. We were involved in ministry. We knew so many Christians. But if you would have asked us to name any of our neighbors, we wouldn't have been able to do it. And it took a chart of shame, just like this, to awaken our heart to God's call on our life to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so we've just taken that passion. And I hope today that, and I'm praying for you today, that, that our response as a family will be to take very practical steps in the weeks and months and years ahead to, to know, love, and serve our neighbors. But I just want to say today that the way we do this map is intimately connected to how we want to end the service. The way we love our neighbors is tied to this. It's tied to communion. And we've said it several times today. We love. Why? Because Jesus first loved us.